0: Contest, what are you doing? I am settling once and for all. Who is the smartest around here? Okay, are you ready?
1: Absolutely, bring it on. Okay.
0: Marsha, Jan and Cindy were the three daughters in what Tv family? <laughs> the Brady Bunch. Okay. <laughs> Sammy Hagar replaced David Lee Roth as the lead singer in what group? Brady Bunch? Van Halen. All right, Madonna was married to this Ridgemont High alum. Oh, my God! Sean Penn! How do you know these? these things? I go outside and I talk to people! Okay, here. What actor holds the record for being named People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive?
1: William Shatner. Right. I don't think it's Shatner. Then it's gotta be Patrick Stewart. No. Formal protest.
0: All right, singer who sang Oops, I Did It Again? (laughs) Okay. Tweety Bird taught he taught a what? Romulan. Yes. He taught, he taught a Romulan.
2: (laughs) Good morning, Storyline. Uh, I love this TV show, The Big Bang Theory, because it's full of geeky, nerdy science humor, which I am all about. But the whole show is really about these four guys who are so brilliant in their jobs, but so dumb in real life. They have no clue how to form relationships with others. And I'm fascinated by their quest for connection because that's something I see every day, all day, as a high school teacher. Young people may not be aware of it, but from the outside looking in, it doesn't take long to see that a huge percentage of their life is dedicated to finding, impressing, and keeping their group of friends. And this looks different depending on their age, but it's still there all the time. I teach freshmen and seniors. And so I see them at the beginning and end of their high school career. And one of the biggest differences between them, besides their maturity level, is that most freshmen don't know where they belong or how they fit in. And so a lot of their time, effort, and mental energy is consumed with trying to fit in and impress their classmates. And at sometimes making some pretty clumsy attempts to do so. Uh, But by the time they're seniors, kids have settled into their niche. They've found a group or a club or a team where they feel like they belong. You know, the more flamboyant quest for friendship may be over, but the passion connected to connecting with others clearly remains. And as we grow older, I don't think we outgrow this. We only grow more and more sophisticated in our quest to connect. The passion, though, never dies. You know, one of the most difficult things about friendship is although it's something I think we can all agree we need, it's also something that goes against everything American culture is strongly suggesting is a better way to live. You know, we call it everything from the cowboy way to independent to self-confident, but really it's just rugged individualism. And so, while it's cute to see little kids forming friendships and it's good to see adolescents doing the same, as an adult, we'd like to think the quest for friendship, the need for connection and belonging, is something we've outgrown. I find it quite ironic that social pressure pushes teens toward friendships, often in detrimental ways. Yet as adults, the social pressure is in the opposite direction. You know, we feel immature when friendships are too important to us. Like sure, having, good fr- having friends is a good thing, but according to the American ideal, for adults, self-reliance is better and so the question i'd like to look at this morning is what's the deal with friendship and forming deep meaningful connections with others You know, in america we seem to be sort of schizophrenic about it why are friendships too important to us as adolescents but not important enough as adults Now, bear with me, I'm gonna get a little Big Bang Theory here on you for a second, because I think science actually has a lot to show us about the nature of who we are, what we're made from and for, and how that all relates to connecting. So, we all remember from eighth grade science that everything everywhere is made of atoms, including us. And atoms are small, like a single grain of sand contains a million trillion atoms. And for a long time, scientists thought atoms were the smallest thing that existed until they discovered particles. Now these subatomic particles are a lot smaller than atoms and they're incredibly strange. In fact, the name of one of the particles we've discovered is strange because of how bizarrely these things act. You know particles come into existence and then they disappear. They're here and then they're not here and we don't know where they come from or where they go. As far as scientists know, particles are the most fundamental building blocks of the universe, and yet what we know about them is they exist and then they don't. But we don't know why or how or where. Some subatomic particles can disappear at point A and then reappear at point B without traveling the distance in between. Other particles are bonded together And then they separate, and then after they separate, they demonstrate an awareness of what the other particle is doing without any communication between them. It doesn't matter how long they were bonded for or the distance between them, if you change the spin of one particle, it changes the spin of the other, even though they're no longer physically connected. Physicists have a word for this. They call it entanglement. They were once together, and now they're not, but they're still keeping tabs on each other without any communication between them. I know it sounds like science fiction, but this really is science. And while we don't know everything it means for us physically, I think looking at the building blocks of life can help us grasp a little more about the nature of relationships or at least our need for them. The stuff that we are literally made of, the very building blocks, the foundation of who we are, the strange particles and the muons and bosons and quarks are entangled. They are connected. They are in a relationship with each other. And maybe this is part of the reason why we value connection and friendship so much, because we're literally made for it from connections down to the most fundamental foundational parts of our existence. It makes me wonder Maybe we were made to be entangled in each other's lives. And it helps me relate to something God said in Genesis. It's not good for man to be alone with a new level of appreciation. You know, it certainly is something that science has proven on the particle level. Teens have proven on the relational level. And all of us know at our deepest level, being alone is not good. So, even though we have a better understanding than ever of how relational the building blocks of life are, research shows that compared to just several generations ago, we spend less time in conversation over meals, we exchange visits less frequently, we engage less often in leisure activities that encourage social interaction, we know our neighbors less well, and we see old friends less often. Now, the pandemic has definitely amplified this, but these are trends that have been accelerating for at least the last 40 years, if not longer. In a brilliant book written at the very beginning of the 21st century, Robert Putnam highlights the decline of engagement and connection in American society and explores the reasons behind these trends. He, he says, Nothing, not low education, not full-time work, not long commutes in urban agglomerations, not poverty or financial distress, is more broadly associated with civic disengagement and social disconnection than is dependence on television for entertainment. TV watching has such a powerful impact on engagement with others that one hour less daily viewing is the civic vitamin equivalent of 5 or 6 more years of education. In short, more time for TV means less time for social life. Now, this was written before the internet became a household amenity, before smartphones and Wi-Fi and on-demand streaming. I mean, this was written in the age of dial-up internet connections. I mean, don't ask kids, we're talking like prehistoric <laughs> times here. You know, Putnam wrote this when the majority of Americans didn't have access to the internet at all so now 20 years later we have even more technologies and luxuries and options and with that has come even less meaningful connections with one another years ago an Amish preacher was asked how they decide which technological inventions to admit and which to shun and his response was we can almost always tell if a change will bring good or bad tidings Certain things we definitely do not want, like the television and the radio. They would destroy our visiting practices. We would stay at home with the television or radio rather than meet with other people. The visiting practices are important because of the closeness of the people. How can we care for our neighbor if we don't visit them or know what's going on in their lives? Now, if you're like me, you know this is true, but we don't want it to be. I want deep connections, but I also want to be able to binge-watch season five of The Office when necessary. You know, to be completely honest, at the start of all this pandemic stuff, I was actually really enjoying the solitude and alone time. Like, for introverts like myself, the initial phases of quarantine felt like a blessing. Because for the first time in my life, I didn't have to make up an excuse as to why I'd rather stay home and read than go out. You know, it was the law. I was just doing my part. Alone time, as a community service. But at some point, and I can't exactly tell when, social distancing and quarantining and being alone got to be very difficult, even for someone like me. And as important as it was and is for us to do everything we can to stop the spread of the virus, the culture of individualism that the pandemic has forced upon us has not been good for us. Study after study shows that people who have strong connections to others cope better with traumas and fight illness more effectively, live longer, and report much higher levels of well-being than those who don't. Entanglement makes us smarter, healthier, safer, and even richer. Again, Putnam says, social connectedness is one of the most powerful determinants of our well-being. The more integrated we are with our community, the less likely we are to experience colds, heart attacks, strokes, cancer, depression, and premature death of all sorts. After reviewing dozens of scientific studies, sociologists have concluded that the positive contributions to health made by social integration and social support rival in strength the detrimental contributions of well-established biomedical risk factors like cigarette smoking, obesity, elevated blood pressure, and physical inactivity. (laughs) In other words, statistically, it's a toss-up whether you should stop smoking or start connecting. So there are a few things we want to take a deeper look at this morning about being connected. And the first is that it's powerful, very powerful. Because our friends, the people that we're entangled with, to a large extent, determine how life feels to us. Are we good enough? Are we accepted? Do we have something valuable to offer and contribute? And when we are entangled in an open, accepting, and loving community, these fundamental questions all human beings ask are being answered, yes. But finding this type of community is difficult. It takes a lot of time and effort and risk to put ourselves out there. And as hard as it is to love others sometimes, I think it can often be even harder to let others love us. And so as we grow older, many of us realize the price we often pay for this acceptance, you know, to feel good about ourselves because others feel good about us, is just too high. So the second thing we learn about friendships is it's nice but it's not nearly as important as self-reliance. And because of this, in adulthood, we swing from one side of the friendship continuum, where friends are everything to us, to the other side where we can essentially make it on our own in life. And friends no longer determine how life feels for us, they only determine some of our activities or what we do. But this issue remains, the need for connection, to belong, to feel a part of something that is bigger than us, never leaves us because it's something that's always been in us we are made of connections down to the subatomic level the universe started with a bang and then approximately three minutes later the particles that were created in the big bang began to bond with each other and when those particles connected they formed atoms and then a whole bunch of time passed and eventually atoms were able to connect with each other to form molecules and molecules connected to form cells and cells connected to form us. Of course, we want to be a part of something that's bigger than us. Everything in the universe does because everything in the universe is. The creation story in the very beginning of the Bible says this exact same thing, just in a more poetic and much less scientific way. It says, In the beginning, when God created the universe, the earth was formless and desolate. The raging ocean that covered everything was engulfed in total darkness and the Spirit of God was moving over the water. There was nothing, and then there was something, and because that something was created by God, its very foundation was relational. And the Bible goes on to talk about God's Spirit moving through all of creation, animating and activating, bonding and uniting, connecting and entangling. There are lots of different traditions throughout history that have described God's Spirit in lots of different ways. In the New Testament, one way that they referred to it was Christ. They wrote about how through Christ, everything came into existence. They talked about the spirit of Christ forming the sun and the stars and each one of us. The Bible says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. The New Testament writers understood that Christ was both cosmic and personal, but more than anything, connected and relational. Down to our very foundation, we were created for connection. And what this means is that, though inability to go it alone at times is an asset, we have to acknowledge that individualism, hyper-self-reliance, will eventually backfire on us. So our question is not, do we need connections? We do. The question really is, what kind of friendships do we need? And I've learned so much from watching high school students. And one of the things I consistently see is how friendship impacts us in a way that is far different from other types of relationships. You know, Parents, teachers, and coaches certainly have a significant impact on us, but our friends have a power in our lives that virtually no one else does. I see this all the time. Good kids from good families with so much going for them get in the wrong crowd, and their lives slowly fall apart. And I've also seen it go the other way. You know, self-destructive kids, not a lot of support at home, maybe not the best in school, but they get in with a good group of friends, and it turns their life around. What is going on with this? I think it has something to do with Friends are our chosen entanglements and connections. And because of that, they can help us overcome the downfalls of our forced entanglements. A bad coach, a rough home life, and yes, even our own inclination toward individualism. They can help us to not be lonely, they can provide emotional support, and they can allow us to be more socially adjusted. But friends provide something that goes much deeper than that. And this is the real power of friendship, the real power of connection. It's our friends that help us discover who we are. According to the book Habits of the Heart, there are truths we do not see when we adopt the language of radical individualism. We find ourselves not independently of other people, but through them. We never get to the bottom of ourselves on our own. We discover who we are face to face and side by side with others in work love and learning (laughs) the idea that we depend on our friends to help shape our identity is not new and it's not even our idea in the bible we see the friends of jesus finding their identity not only with and through jesus but also with and through each other some of the disciples were friends before they knew jesus But when Jesus entered into this community, there was suddenly this unlimited, though mysterious, friend at the center, and this relationship began to change the disciples in ways they could never change each other. You know, Peter was one of Jesus' friends, and he's a great example of this. Peter was a fisherman when he met Jesus, and joining the group of friends following Jesus didn't change that. What Jesus did for Peter was give him a bigger perspective. Instead of being content with just being a fisherman and providing solely for himself, Jesus says to him, Come follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. Jesus made Peter a fisher of men with a focus that was bigger, better, and beyond himself. Entanglement with Jesus took Peter's very limited view of himself, his role, and his gifts, and turned them beyond his own personal individualistic desires toward something that literally changed the world. This is not the kind of friendship you pursue just to feel like you're accepted and belong. Now, friendship with Jesus is the kind of connection that doesn't just change how we feel or what we do. It changes who we are. Now, our culture has confused us about what connection is and the true purpose of community we use the term community very loosely to simply mean the people that we're surrounded by but a true community is so much more than that if we look at the community jesus established it wasn't made up of his buddies that he loved spending time with because they had lots of things in common i mean this was a group of fishermen a tax collector a terrorist and jesus was a carpenter they had almost nothing in common but they were a community because they were on a mission to serve, love, and include others together. In the past, Mike has talked about this as a communitas, a community not about itself, but about others. In fact, Jesus said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. It's true that these guys lived life together. They were entangled. But on every page of the Bible, they are on the move serving people, healing people, feeding people, and including and connecting with anyone and everyone who is willing to follow Jesus and do the same. This truly is a strange kind of community where people connect with one another, changing how they feel, what they do, and who they are, as they focus on those who are disconnected. This is a true community, a group of friends centered on their connection with Jesus coming together to do what Jesus did. And that means being friends with all kinds of people with all kinds of beliefs. But the Bible is trying to tell us, and the life of Jesus shows us, it's only friendship based on this new context and this greater story. Jesus at the center, inspiring, challenging, and equipping a community to live their lives together for others that will ultimately connect us to the connection that made us And give us what we were made for
1: I have a voice started out as a whisper, turned into a scream, made a beautiful noise, shoulder to shoulder marching in the street when you're all alone it's a quiet when you band together, it's a choir, a thunder and rain. Now we have a choice, cause I have a voice. I'm not living to die. Don't stand in a wasteland. Look at me in the eye. Stop living a lie and stand up next to me. you got to It's stronger than you fear It's believing you belong It's calling out the wrong From the silence of my sister To the violence of my brother We can, we can rage Against the river, feel the pain of another I have a voice I have a voice And I let it speak for the ones who are really free No one's saying what we need. turned into a scream made a beautiful noise shoulder to shoulder marching in the streets when you're all alone it's a quiet breeze but when you band together it's a quiet of thunder and rain now we have a choice cause i have a voice now we have a choice
2: Every particle in existence was created and instantly bonded with another to create something more beautiful than it could ever be alone. We are made up of such particles, and like the stuff that makes us, we were made to be part of something bigger and more beautiful. A community that's on a mission to embody and extend this act of loving inclusion and creation over and over again. That will give us a purpose that can entangle us with each other and with God, which is ironically how we find our voice and how we find ourselves as individuals. Jesus puts it like this. If your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. So just one last bit of science before we close. Did you know that helium is the second most abundant atom in the universe, but our supply on Earth is disappearing. And the reason for this is because helium has an internal structure that leaves no room for connection with other atoms. And unable to make these entanglements, it can't participate in the chemical reactions that define life, things like metabolism and growth and reproduction. Humans are made up of dozens of different elements, but helium isn't one of them. Disconnected, helium is literally disappearing. And I think we all know what that feels like. Because we are literally made from connections for community down to the smallest parts of us. Relationships matter because all matter is relationships. There's a verse in the Bible that refers to Christ by saying, he holds all things together. And as he does, entangled with him and his mission, it changes how we feel, what we do, and who we are. Let's pray. God, thank you for the chance to be together this morning. Um, We ask that you would show us opportunities this week to truly connect with the people in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in this morning. Hope to see you soon.